Today's GM Street is brought to you by TheRinger.com. It is a website you can go check out. We have first up, Kevin O'Connor wrote a big story. He was at the Sloan Conference this weekend for all the analytics heads out there. Uh, Go check that out. It is Kevin O'Connor on the takeaways from the Sloan Conference this weekend. And also, check out GM Street. It is part of the Ringer Podcast Network. You're listening to it right now, but please go back, uh, check out some of our stuff. And also, Robert Mays and Kevin Clark will be in Indianapolis this weekend for the Combine. Be sure to check that out and more podcasts on the Ringer. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Monday. It is our first Monday together, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I'm great, Tate Frazier. Monday's in for Tate Frazier. It's awesome. What could be better? You it's know? a great way to start the week. We did the whole season. Yeah. We did the, the late Sunday night reactions. I mean, technically, that was the start of the week, but it, it feels more real and more natural right now I, to do I, it on a Monday. I like the Monday slot. Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, it feels feels good. I think we got a lot to look forward to the week, especially we got the combine coming up. We got free agency, which is going to be fascinating because free agency is so far... Uh, is the combines this week, and then free agency is mm-hmm. like two weeks away. Mm-hmm. So the tampering convention that's being held at Indy this week <laughs> will have two more weeks of tampering. It's going to be fascinating. We're going to have a lot of wink, wink deals. Uh, speaking of wink, wink deals, we're going to talk a little bit before we get into the football stuff. The NCAA, uh, there's been the, it's it's not even the NCAA case. It's an FBI case right now that's right. coming out with a lot of payment of players. Arizona coach Sean Miller. Uh, it came out the hundred thousand dollar deal. Now, now we don't know if it's a wiretap. We don't know. Well, what you kind of you like tip me off that there was stuff coming down. It was mm-hmm. pretty impressive. I, you know, you told me that this is and this could be wide ranging. And I, and I, you know, my view on this is that there's an economic term called moral hazard, and and they use it in economics basically when the rules are so slanted in one direction that it doesn't behoove the person who has to and. In, in, enact, live by the rules to live by the rules. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what the NC2A is. The rules are slanted so much to those, to the NC2A and that the players don't get anything that there's, that to me, this whole thing has been because the NC2A doesn't really recognize what they need to recognize. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be real honest here. I mean, these kids, you know, I, I mean, I get they're getting a full college education, but it's one and they created the one and done rule. You know, and so that to me is why this is going on. And I'll give a little uh, shout out to Chris Patola as a Duke guy. He he came out and said, when the reward is so great and the risk is so little. That's called a moral hazard. Why are we shocked? that people go after the rewards. You right. know, what? why are we all blown away? And I think that's the, the problem right now is a lot of people are acting shocked. Everyone is, you know, uh, blown away by this whole story. Dick Vitale is very upset. Can't believe this would ever happen, even though he's been around college basketball since the 70s. Um, we all understand what's been going on. And, I can't and, believe it, baby. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. I've never heard of such a thing. It's, it's a lot of people getting on uh, the moral high ground while they can, but uh, it'll be an interesting thing. We'll keep up with it. Obviously, it'll impact college football at some level. Will there um, be any teams at the tournament? That's the question I wanted to ask you. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. I keep saying Rhode Island as a one seed could still happen. So I'm holding out hope for Dan Hurley in, the, in Rhode Island right now. Um, Is that Bobby Hurley's brother? Yes. Yes. Nice. Yes. Dan Hurley, Rhode Island. Bobby Hurley Kingston, at Arizona Rhode State. Rhode Island. Love yes. it. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. New Jersey basketball. See, to me, that's why basketball, that's why it's so different than football because Rhode Island could never compete mm-hmm. on the giant stage with Alabama in football, right? <laughs> One would think that, that that would not work out. Yeah, but in football, I mean, you know, it's just like guys and, you know, it's funny, football coaches, 
they rarely go from Rhode Island to Tennessee. Like mm-hmm. nobody makes that leap. Whereas in basketball, they always make that leap because it's more of a of a universal level sport than football is. I mean, there's l- clearly distinctions in football. And it also for college basketball coaches, when you do do that, when you make those leaps from a high school and then like a Frank Martin, for example, he goes from a high school coach in Miami, then he's at Kansas State, then he's but at he South Carolina. But he was an Carol- assistant though, right? Yes, exactly. At Kansas State. Yeah, and he, and he grooms his way up. People respect those coaches a lot more right. and, and, you know, football is it a little different. It helps with recruiting because they can understand, you know, the high school play. I get it. Especially when you're from fan. Miami. You got a lot of talent down there, of I'm course. I'm a Frank Martin fan. Well, that, look, we're here to talk, uh, not college football, but pro football. And uh, we got a lot of stories going on. The first one oh my God, is Tate your Frazier. boy, Blake Bortles. Uh, he gets the contract extension that we all talked about and all hopes for. Um, $54 million contract, $26.5 million guaranteed for Blake Bortles. This was something that we... Sort of expected, uh, but did not expect a new deal. We thought he may just have to opt in because of the the surgery he had uh, with the physical coming up. But what are your first thoughts when you read this? Well, so, you know, like you read the deal and everybody's like, I can't wait to see what Lombardi says about this. Well, look, I'm not surprised. I mean, they've been they've been the biggest Blake Bortle fans in the world, mm-hmm. other than Blake Bortle's facts on Twitter, resides in Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, so we know that. But I think there's more to this than meets the eye. I think mm-hmm. there's more to this than just Blake got a contract. I I think from knowing and understanding how these things work is if you're really doing your job as an executive of the Jacksonville Jaguars is you're going to go out and you're going to make that phone call to Kirk Cousins. And then you're going to make the phone call about Case Keenum and you're going to compare your player to everyone else. And I think what the what happened for Jacksonville was they realized that economically for them, this made the most sense because they got they bring their starting quarterback back. Mm-hmm. They get him. They they see the glasses as half empty. They think that they can really they think they can really make this kid better, right? So they think they, there's growth in this guy. He's 25 years old. We're going to make him better. He improved this year. Look at what he did in the playoff game. Although they forget about the playoff game against you know Buffalo, but look what he did against New, New England. You know, so it's Pittsburgh and New England. So. I think that's what they did. I think they probably thought, okay, Cousins is going to be outrageous. We don't want Keenum. We're not going to be able to draft a guy. Where are we? And I think the thing that they did with this deal, which a lot of people have pointed out, it was this is about cap room for for this team. And they have Allen Robinson coming up. And he's a 24-year-old guy. We remember he got hurt at the start of the season. I think it was week one he gets hurt. And he was out for the entire year. But he had 1,400 yards the year before. They're trying to figure out what his deal will look like. So if you sign Blake, you have more cap room across the board to sign these other guys like Robinson. Um, is is that the reasoning behind this? Or is it more of just, you know, it is what it is? I, I think it's the old Stephen Still songs. Love the one you're with. You mm-hmm. know, you know I, I think, look, they're 12th in cap room before all these deals start to come in. I don't think cap room is going to be a problem for anybody. The Eagles struggled all last year with cap room. And I think 10 of their 22, 21 starters came from free agency and they made it all kind of work together. And so I don't see cap room being the issue. I, I think what the issue here is, is I think they see this player as they see marked improvement. They feel like he can get better. And the only thing I would say with that is, and I'm not trying to be an asshole towards Blake Bortles because I've, I've been a plenty of an asshole towards him, is Blake's a different player when they play from in front than when they play from behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's no doubt. So there's a certain style they have to play, and maybe they can get Blake better. Their feeling is the guy that really should get an extension is Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, let's be real honest. The offense coordinator down there, I mean, because he's actually got this to this point. I just wonder, Tate Frazier, is now that I saw him signing that contract, it's almost like he has a sense of relief. Like, mm-hmm. does it really matter anymore? Well, he's got the Flacco treatment. It's like, I got my contract. 
Right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all set. I got my team set. You know, everyone knows I'm the quarterback now. I don't have to worry about someone looming over my shoulder, whether it be Chad Henney or whoever is well, down yeah. in Jacksonville. Now, that's the key point there. I think somebody is going to be looming over his shoulder. I think that Jacksonville's now going to be in the market for the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think that backup quarterback is going to be told, it's Blake's job, but you can compete. Not that we're going to give you the job, but it's Blake's job. You just do your thing. And I think whether it's a draft pick or whether it's someone else in free agency, I don't know who, but I think that's really what they're going to look to improve upon is, is that backup. And if they strengthen that backup enough, like hypothetically, let's say Lamar Jackson makes it all the way down to them, right? I mean, could you imagine if Lamar Jackson was your backup quarterback to Blake Bortles? What would that look like? You'd have some questions to ask. You, yeah. You'd have a lot of people wondering what we're going to do with these RPOs when we have a guy that runs, you know, a four four forty and uh, has an arm that you know is an NFL level arm, which we talked about last week on the pod. I think the the, the concern you have as an executive is when you try to strengthen the position with a better backup. Is you better make sure that backup doesn't look better than the starter, mm-hmm. because then all the other pro personnel directors, those other players that you have on the team, they're all pro personnel directors. They all think they know talent too, right? <laughs> they're all going to come back in and say, "Man, why aren't we playing that guy? Why aren't we playing that guy?" You know, as good as Jimmy Garoppolo looked in practice, nobody came in saying, you know, I don't know why we don't play Jimmy because this Brady guy's no good. You know, I mean, it was Brady was good. So nobody had that conversation. But sometimes in most organizations, if the backup looks better than the starter, you're going to say that. And we saw it in Houston last year. I mean, Tom Savage is lining up with the starters and everyone's watching Deshaun, Deshaun Watson and they're saying, I think we need that guy. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's that might be our guy. Exactly what happened. You know, yep. you can, Billy, you can say Tom Savage is your starter all you want, right? Go ahead and talk. The best player on the team is Deshaun Watson. So I think they're banking on the last six weeks of the season. I think they're banking on the fact that they've got this really good team. And let's be honest here. The NFL is always about a known quantity, right? Mm -hmm. So you know what you have in Blake Bortles, and they can manage around him. Would Would Case Keenum make them a better team? You know, I think there's some debate about it. There's much, an argument to be made. There's an argument to be made that why would we, why are we going to, you know, Al Davis used to always say, I, I don't want to, ch- I don't want to bring in a 58. If I have a 59 player, I don't want to bring in a, I want, I want to significantly improve the position. And I, I think there's some truth to that. But a quarterback, I just wonder how this is all going to affect everything else. It's not going to affect their market because they're just 12th. They have, they have a ton of cap room. They're going to go out and spend money in free agency. They're going to draft a guy. So, it, I think what they looked at it is saying for $25 million of guaranteed, I know he's got $54 million that they're counting, right? For the next two years, right? They're, they're for $7 million more, they basically took the, they took the franchise tag in two years and said, okay, here's what, if we tag them, tag them, this is what we have. We might as well just do a three-year deal. And we should say, a lot of people have pointed this out. I mean, it is a tradable contract. If Blake comes back, and it doesn't look like what we saw at the end of last season. They are in the market to maybe find a team that will take on Blake. Uh, he's 17th in average salary among quarterbacks yeah, for this not, new deal. It's, it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, $54 million sounds like a lot on its face, but right. when you really look at the numbers, uh, yeah, it I, I works think out. that's what I think it was just look, we know this guy, we might as well sign him. Mm-hmm. And even though we understand he's limited, I think the message is you just got to keep looking. Now I'm, and then they extend Coughlin, they extend Marone, they extend David Caldwell, the architect of Blake Bortles. So you know, I mean, I, I think that everybody's happy. This is where you get into trouble when you're happy as a team. 
because it's going to be harder for Jacksonville. They're going to play a first-place schedule next year, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to play from in front all the time. And just a little secret, the quarterback is going to have to participate in some of these games. If Fournette gets hurt, they cut Ivory. They're going to need another back to go with Fournette. I mean, they're going to have to improve in certain areas. People know how they play. Their defense is really good, no doubt. But when their defense plays, it gives up, has to play from behind like they did get in San Francisco, different story. Remember, this team lost to the Jets and lost mm-hmm. to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's put that in perspective. And we know that they have a whole year of tape now on Blake Bortles. What worked for this team? They're not going to sneak up on anybody, and that's the difference. Right, and I think they do have a whole, but I think what Jacksonville saw in that playoff game, and they watched Philadelphia do it to New England in the Super Bowl, is they saw maybe this is the offense we should run with Blake. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what we should do with the more RPOs, more more this kind of thing, and can he handle that? It, you know, It looked good against New England because yep. New England lacks team speed horizontally. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look good against some other good teams. Yep, they beat him to the edge, and uh, that's what made Blake look great. Uh, was, should we should we get like we should probably like hang a Blake Bortles jersey? And I mean, really, <laughs> this guy's had a hell of a year. I was really worried that what was going to happen was we were going to bring up this contract, and you were going to say it's the worst quarterback contract you've seen since the heist, and then Blake Bortles is going to end up winning MVP next year, and then we're going to have this whole thing again. No, so I, I actually don't think this. I is, don't think it's that bad. I don't we're think happy it's that for bad. You, Blake. I, I'm happy for Blake. I really am. I, and I think Blake's like I think Blake pinches himself every day that he's going to the, I think Blake is one of these guys that sits at home and looks at his bank account and says is that really my money is that you know starts high-fiving yeah, everybody you know, starts sending money back you, to UCF you, football have you ever watched Stripes the movie yes, Stripes you yes. know when the general looks at looks through the glasses are those my men you know that's what Blake Bortles <laughs> yes, does yes and the eyes shoot yeah, up yeah. Uh, is this my is this really my money <laughs> yeah you know what Blake you should save it like you mm-hmm. should really save it because I'm not sure another 20 million bonuses coming your way anytime. What a great country we live in, isn't it? I know. Transfer to the savings account. Just leave it there. Let yeah, it settle. Yeah, let it grow interest. Get Maybe the, find get, some investments. Yeah, get the get the fruitcake every Christmas. You know, why not? There you go. I'm, I'm happy for Blake. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, you might as well just get into this. The Minnesota Vikings, they're in a, an interesting situation right now. We've talked about this before. They had the three quarterbacks on the roster. Case Keenum, who led them to uh, the NFC Championship game. You got Sam Bradford right behind him, a guy that they brought in to be the franchise quarterback at once upon a time. And then you have Teddy Bridgewater, guy they drafted in 2014 to be the franchise quarterback at one time. All three of those quarterbacks are now free agents. And it came out today, or actually, yeah, it did come out this morning, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, that the Vikings do not plan to franchise Case Keenum. Uh, They sit ninth in cap space right now. And there are a lot of rumblings and rumors that they're going to go after a quarterback. And like we said with Case Keenum, if if the home team's not going to pay the man, then that devalues his market value uh, as he goes into free agency. Yeah, I, I think people know where Case Keenum is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I think people understand there's limitations to where, you know, what I've said to you before is this, free agency, you do not want to sign a player at a position and then have to sign another player. To You need to solve the need. And there's some elements that Case Keenum could help you solve, but there's not just the absolution that he's going to solve the problem. So I think Minnesota's the sneaky player for Kirk Cousins. I really do. I think because they haven't signed any of these, look, they can't sign Bradford because they deep down know in their heart, and you know in your heart, and I know in my heart, but Bradford can't stay healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. So we could put his name up on the board. Bradford and, knows that probably. And at this he point. knows he can't stay yes. healthy, right? And he's probably being unrealistic with his contract demands because he's Sam Bradford and he's always been unrealistic and people have always given him money. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to sign. They, can't, they don't know anything about Teddy Bridgewater. So he can't go there. And Keenum has a ceiling. And they're a really good team. So if you put Kirk Cousins on that team, how good could they be? They're also picking at the bottom of the first round. They're not going to get a quarterback down there, even if they were to draft one. And maybe they should. 
but you still would sign Kirk Cousins and have this young quarterback there. Just say hypothetically, Josh Rosen slipped to the 20s something pick. So they pick him and they're not going to play him next year anyway. He gets the Aaron Rodgers treatment where he falls like 24 exactly. or 27. Exactly. So it's the perfect time. To me, Minnesota is in a sneaky position because it's quiet. The teams you have to be concerned about is not the ones you read in the paper. They're interested in this guy. They're interested in that guy. Teams that do that are just blowing smoke because at the Combine this week, there'll be a bunch of meetings at all the different hotels between the agents, and the agents will throw out, I got this number. I mean, really, they should bring – a team should hire Annie Dukes this week, the poker lady. Mm-hmm. They should hire her <laughs> and just follow around so they could she could read the bluffs of the agents. Yes. Like like okay, yeah, like I I you know, case I, I got four teams. I got four teams. I'm a I'm a you know, Kirk Cousins. Kirk's like, got you at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. well nothing can happen <laughs> at quarterbacks until Kirk gets done, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so you know, I got thirty million a year, a hundred million guaranteed. And then let Annie figure out whether he's bluffing or not. Mm-hmm. That might not be a bad play. I think it's good. I think teams should do that. I, I you know, because you know, I mean, there are the one thing I know for sure. There's a Catholic church right in the middle of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and it's probably there for a reason because all the Catholics that are in the league are lying so badly this week. They, <laughs> they need to go, go to church. Over, on they got to go to yeah. church and confess good. their sins. Good, they need to <laughs> because uh, it, there's so much bullshit going on. I got this for that guy. I got that. <laughs> but going back to Case Keenum, Tate Fraser. I think Tate, I think Keenum could get screwed here a little bit. Like I don't think he. I think he thinks his market's at A. And I'm not sure it's going to be like at C. I think it's going to be at C minus. I don't think it's going to be as strong as everybody thinks it is. Could he end up at Arizona? Yeah, I think he could because I think Arizona's the team that's got to take whoever they can get. And I think it comes back to the what have you done for me lately lately conversation a little bit with Case. If you had talked to anyone in the league after he has that amazing miracle play to Diggs going into the NFC Championship game, most people had already decided that Case Keenum is now the franchise quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. In their head, subconsciously, whatever it was, people have determined that his last performance we see is the Eagles game where he is, for lack of a better word, atrocious. And now, you know, we're sitting at a point where he has gone back to, he's returned to the mean. Uh, and then Blake has these last two games against Pittsburgh and New England, and his value skyrockets. Yeah, because and get, it's and all it based on what you see. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the last games that we see. But let me throw something out to you. What I, what I think would be a fascinating thing to do, and I don't think this could happen, but in theory, if, mm-hmm. if I was playing Stratomatic Baseball with Michael Cedino and Danny Reynolds again, this would be an interesting idea. Some teams, let's hypothetically say the Vikings re-sign Case Keenum, okay? And they sign him to a deal, and they pay the bonus and all that stuff. And then they call the Eagles up and they're able to get Nick Foles and their first and they throw in Case Keenum in the deal to be the backup. Now, all of a sudden, you got a chance to get Nick Foles because you're sending them a backup quarterback. We all know the thing that they have to solve in Philadelphia is who's going to be the backup. Now, they think that Nate Sudfeld could be a good player. I read that all all the time. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the case. But to me, using Case Keenum as a chip to get to Nick Foles might not be a bad idea. You'd have to structure the contract. Plus, we know this. Now, even though Peter Rucco from the Management Council has lectured everybody that, you know, you're not allowed to buy draft picks, we saw that the Cleveland Browns bought a second-round pick for mm. whatever how much money. So we know they're not going to enforce that rule. So if you pay Keenum, if you pay Case, and then you put together a package to Philadelphia where they get a backup quarterback at a modest price because you've already paid the bonus and you get Nick Foles, 
That might not be a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. I also wanted to bring up talking about the situation with Bridgewater. We obviously know that we've said it a million times. I think it's almost become comical at this point how much Mike Zimmer apparently loves Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. We don't we don't see it mentioned very much, but we do know from behind the scenes that he apparently loves him. So if there was a world in which they signed Teddy back for some sort of a, a I small think they deal. will sign Teddy for a one year deal to kind of let him get on his feet, get him in the preseason, see if he can do something, you know, and go forward. I I think Teddy's part of of their plan A and part of their plan B. So hypothetically, say plan A is to get Nick Foles and they don't get Nick Foles, so they sign Keenum back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then plan B, then they would sign Bridgewater. Say they sign Cousins and then that goes to plan B and I think sign Bridgewater as the backup. I think, I think Bridgewater's in in Minnesota because they love him so much. And who wants to take on the medical liability? Nobody knows. I mean, the last thing Bridgewater wants to do which is what he's going to have to do in free agency. He's not going to be a sign-the-contract guy the first day free agency. He's going to have to work out. He's going to have to go A, work out, or mm-hmm. B, take physicals. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to prolong. And then the grapevine is going to start talking. Oh, he failed we're, by we're, physical. We're going to get the leaked headline. It's going to be almost – remember when he did his pro day before he was going into the draft and, yeah. he, and he didn't wear the gloves? Oh, yeah, that was, And he had a horrible pro day. And then right. everyone's like, we don't even know if this guy can play quarterback in the NFL. Right, and gloves. then two weeks later, he wore gloves and was amazing. And everyone's saying he's the next Brady. Yeah, it, it was, we got 60 days of that crap coming yes. up. We got 60 days of guys that have to run a 40, but then all of a sudden he runs a 4-1-3. You mm-hmm. know, we got this guy skying up the board. <laughs> I, I just want to throw up when I read it. But anyway, I think, I think Bridgewater's part of Minnesota's plan. But, but think if you put Cousins in, in there. See, I think Denver always thinks – Denver has the John Elway issue. Denver believes that – Their first priority. Well, but Denver believes because they have John Elway, they get a discount. Mm-hmm. It's, they, they truly think they're Al Davis. They, Al Davis used to think, you want to play for the Raiders? Like, you got to take a discount. <laughs> it, it's the same thing there in Denver. Well, if Kirk Cousins wants to be here, he's going to have to take a discount. He's going to have to show us he wants to be here. He's going to have to show us he's going to have to take less money to play in Denver because we got a good team. Mm-hmm. Well, but you're also picking the top 10 of the draft. So, And they have a draft pick. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be the I don't think Denver's going to be all in in terms of money. I think Minnesota could be all in. And uh, we should say that there's been a lot of rumblings and, and mentions of Minnesota being in the Kirk Cousins camp. They've stayed quiet on the whole right, thing. They're not going to comment on it. Look, everybody who needs quarterbacks in the Kirk Cousins camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, Cleveland's going to be in the Kirk Cousins camp because nobody is now acknowledging that there's a clear number one quarterback in the draft. Like nobody's sitting there saying, I know Mel Kuyper thinks Josh Allen is, but nobody's saying, you know, like. To me, if I were Cleveland, I'd pick Bradley Chubb first pick overall, mm-hmm. put him on one side, put Miles Garrett on the other side, and you know what? Now you're going to cr- create some real havoc. Yeah, it's okay? like a clowny Watt matchup. Exactly, right? Uh, and then the other sneaky team in this whole thing, not for the quarterback, but to me, the sneaky team in free agency is Houston. Because Houston has no first-round pick. I don't think they have a, they don't have a two either. So they have no draft picks. They got a ton of cap room, and they got a really good team coming back. To me, Houston's the sneaky team that's going to make a lot of play. And you talk about players that want to play for someone. There's a lot of players that want to play with Deshaun. Oh, yeah, Watson. Deshaun can get the go. He can get it going, mm-hmm. that, and that's what you need. Like I don't think Blake's calling anybody. No disrespect to Blake, but I don't think he's calling anybody. Say, come on, play for me on my <laughs> offense. Like I'm sure there's like I mean, Sammy Cole Beasley Walker, answers. He's yeah, like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. The guy don't throw it so good. Sammy Watkins. I don't know. You know, you don't throw it to me. You know, Deshaun calls you up and you're like, hey, come over. Yeah, you're, I'm coming. I want to ask you about one thing that you mentioned before. You talked about Al Davis has these guys where I, if I'm going to take a significant jump at a position, I want it to be significant, right. uh, obviously. And the the difference between a Case Keenum and a Kirk Cousins, there's a lot of people that don't know where they stand on that argument because a lot of people think that Kirk Cousins is overvalued and they think that, you know, Case Keenum is a little bit undervalued. So do you think Cousins is, is a significant upgrade at the position for I believe the Minnesota you can, Vikings? I believe Kirk Cousins can win a 
can win in the playoffs and have a team around them that can compete for a Super Bowl title. Yes, I do. Do I think Case Keenum can do that? I think all the conditions have to be perfect for Case Keenum. I think playing in a dome helps Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. I think he's not a big man overall. I think 16 games could wear him down. He's played well this year. It didn't wear him down. But I think playing in bad weather, I think if I'm Kirk Cousins and I could play in the dome, I could control the weather for at least eight games. I know I've got good good weather there. I know I'm going to play in Detroit. I know I'm going to play another dome. So that's nine. I think I would rather do that. I think weather matters a little bit when you're getting older and playing in a crowd where you know, for Kirk Cousins, you know in Minnesota, with that crowd noise, you should be able to run the football. You should be able to have control of the game because of the crowd. I think that's an attractive thing for him. And it's a good division to go to. To get out of the NFC East, where you now have the Eagles, who are the Super Bowl champions, defending Super Bowl champions, to get over to the NFC North, where you have Rodgers, who's obviously, there's been some you know conflict there in Green Bay with him and his quarterback's coach. And then you have Matt Stafford. They got a new staff coming in. Right. Uh, you know The Bears are a young team that a have a I young mean, quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a division that they can go into with Cousins and take over. Right. Plus, you know, with Mike Zimmer, if you're, if you're Kirk Cousins, you know with Mike Zimmer, your defense is always going to be good. Mm-hmm. And so you need a good defense. I mean, look, the, the, the fact is the Eagles played 25, 26 minutes a game of defense all year because they were able to get off the field. They were good. They were the best team. I mean, Minnesota's the best team on third down until they got to the Eagle game. And so you know you're going to get the ball back, and you know you're going to have some consistency and some toughness. That's why I think they're a sneaky team in this whole thing. But look, every team that needs a quarterback is going to be involved. And then all the other quarterback dynamos are going to fall through, are going to have to fall in place. Gotcha. Uh, let's talk about one of the biggest trades that's been reported in the offseason, just came out, uh, reported by Ian Rappaport. The Chiefs will ship Marcus Peters uh, westward to the L.A. Rams in exchange for a 2018 fourth-round pick and a 2019 second-round pick. Uh, great trade for the, for the so L.A. The 20, Rams to get Marcus the, Peters. The 2019 second is really like, you know, that's 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 in the future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's devalued around usually. So, you know, if you're in the third round, you trade a two next year to get a three. So that's a long way. I mean, they didn't get a lot for him, uh, the fourth round. Now, this is the second trade that the the Rams have made without a contract. They, they'll have an option to pick up his fifth year mm-hmm. sometime in May if they want to do that, which I think they would, given up, a, given up what they've given up. Sammy Watkins, they could franchise him. They say they're not because they're going to do with LaMarcus Joyner. This obviously puts them out of the corner business in terms of franchising Tremaine Johnson again. Mm-hmm. So, look, I, I don't think the player – I think there's there's some issues with the player – he makes a lot of plays in the ball. He breaks up a lot of plays. He takes a lot of chances. He's a true, legitimate playmaking corner. He he gives them up. He gives you know. He, it's give and take. I think the issue is going to be how he handles the locker room. I really was impressed with what Sean McVay said at the Coach of the Year when he got his award this week about how he can integrate him into the team. How he feels like he's going to put him in the team. And then Aaron Donald spoke to it. And I thought Aaron Donald's words were powerful in what he said in terms of, hey, you know, the guy's going to come in. We got a locker room and we can handle it. I think that's going to be critical because the Chiefs locker room was a mess last year. And he was instrumental in that. He's been bad in the locker room in Washington, the University of Washington, bad in the locker room in Kansas City. And now he's at the Rams. And he's going to have to play well to get paid. And he's been suspended for a game last season. We remember him throwing the flag in the crowd uh, with with some of his frustrations. He almost got in a fight. Marshawn Lynch, his cousin, came out and kept him from getting a fight at one time with the Raiders. So there's been all types of stories. But I will say some good things about Peters. Since he entered the NFL in 2015, no player has more interceptions or passes defended. He had 19 interceptions, 55 passes defended. And this is a good stat, too. Only Ed Reed, who has 22 interceptions, uh, has more interceptions than Peters over the first three seasons of 
of his career. Yeah, and they didn't match him, right? So he didn't trail. They just put him over there. And so I think, to me, he does a great job of reading the quarterback. He plays off coverage. Now, he's going to play more man-to-man from press with Wade. But, you know, the the rush is always good. This gives Wade his Aqib Tlaib. Mm-hmm. So this gives him his guy that he can count on, that he knows that he can roll the coverage away from him and try to take things away. It gives the Ram a legitimate corner at, at an economic value because he, they got two years at really no money. Whereas to pay Tremaine Johnson another and extend him out, that's going to be, he's going to get, Tremaine Johnson, he's going to get a huge deal in free agency. This just made him more money. So I, I think that, I think the Rams clearly have to find a way, which I'm sure they're going to do, is to get Aaron Donald on a contract. Like mm-hmm. they got to get Aaron Donald on a contract and then they're going to have to decide on what they're going to do with Goff. And, you know, Goff improved tremendously this year. He was the worst quarterback in the playoffs when you really break down all the 12 teams in the playoffs. What quarterback played the worst? It was it was Goff. So they think they can build on that. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him too. And we can see if Goff will get the, the Blake Bortles treatment where we do give him the deal. We know that he is our quarterback, but we're not going to go all the way out and say, you know, you're, you're our guy for this amount of money. We're going to pay you like a top I, shot I think next year is going to be the interesting thing. Because look, you're in the West, right? So you got Garoppolo, mm-hmm. you got Russell Wilson, and you got Goff. Do you have the best quarterback in the West? Not right now. I don't think you do. Mm-mm. I don't think you do. And so to win, you know, this is another Al Davis that you got to win the West before you get to the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. But I think the Rams, you know, what do they have to lose in this deal? Really, there's not a lot of... They give up a two and 19, which they could move around in the first round this year and pick up a two at some point. You know, we get we get too caught up with these draft picks because at some point the draft picks have to turn into players. Mm-hmm. And we should say trades are not official until a new league year begins, and that's on March 14th. Um, once I know from the Chiefs angle, uh, a lot of people are saying they obviously gave up a guy like Marcus Peters for cheap, a top cornerback, but it, it, it seemed like they didn't want to pay him like a top flight quarterback. At the I think end they've of the day. had enough with him. I think they're cleaning up their locker room. I think there clearly was a disconnect between. Uh, maybe this is why Dorsey isn't there anymore. I mean, John has always, Dorsey has always been a really good scout, he's a good evaluator. And they've always taken some risky character guys. Like the best defensive lineman, David Irving, on mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys yep. was in the was in the Chiefs camp. He was on the practice squad. He was there, and they just couldn't tolerate him, and they got rid of him. And they've always stretched the limits in terms of character. I mean, think about it. Tyreek Hill's a fifth-round pick. There were not many teams going to take Tyreek Hill. Oh, when he got drafted, people were shocked. I mean, yes. Travis Kelsey was another guy that was, was tainted coming out in the draft, okay? Mm-hmm. So they haven't been taken Jimmy good, good shoes. I mean, they haven't taken the those guys. So they've taken some risk. And I think that their locker room has paid a price for it because there's they haven't been able to get it together. And I think now that whether and look, everybody says, well, it was Dorsey. I think look, Andy Reid runs the whole thing. So he's signing off on it no matter what. But it'll be fascinating to see how they play with a new quarterback and not having a starting a legitimate corner. That's going to be Kansas City's going to be an interesting team to watch what they do in free agency. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to another guy that a lot of people talk about. Uh, we call him Ferris Bueller here on GM Street. Um, it's Odell Beckham Jr. And there's been uh, a lot of talk about a tweet that he sent out. Someone tweeted at him um, asking about you know how many preseason games he was going to play in. He said zero, <laughs> which is you know a, a fine response. He's coming off a, a serious injury. You know, not everyone expects him to play in the preseason but he says this and then people run with it they're like you know this is going to be a long uh arduous uh, you know negotiation with o- obj this summer figuring out what his deal will be with the new york giants and that's what it leads to and then obj responds <laughs> to all the reports that are coming out and he said people take things a little too serious sometimes quick to write a story but hey anything for a couple of likes in this world lol it's sad that's the world we live in 
wonder if it'll ever change. What an existential question from OBJ. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's going to be interesting because OBJ's tied to Jarvis Landry. So mm-hmm. we know that last week we talked about the, the Dolphins franchise, Tim, and everybody understands that the Dolphins, who are really not very, who don't have a lot of cap room, they have some master plan going on with what they're going to do with their free agency, and they intend to trade Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. The problem with that idea, as we talked about last week, is somebody's got to be willing to trade for him, but also sign him to a contract. And Landry, from my sources, have what I've been told is Landry wants to be the highest paid receiver. In the NFL? In the NFL. And that contract could choke a horse. And then you know <laughs> this leads into to my man Beckham, mm-hmm. is he's going to want to be the highest paid receiver <laughs> in the league. Okay? So, like— the, Oh, man. Yin and yang. Yeah. So, I would love to be a fly on the wall at Miami's talking about trading Beckham. And knowing that he's going to have to then call a team up and say, look, we'd like to do a deal with you. We think you're worth X. You kidding me? I think I'm worth this, you know? And it's like, they know they can't sign him. Miami does. And once everybody else knows that he's out, he's being outrageous with his demands, I think it's going to be hard to trade him. But maybe they've got it worked out. Maybe, maybe they have a way to figure it out. Maybe somebody will take him for a year and just put him on the franchise number. I don't know. It's a lot of money to pay for a slot receiver. And it's also one of those things, too. If you're calling and you have interest in Jarvis Landry, if you're another team or if you're another GM, you're asking these questions about what Jarvis expects, expects right? I mean, are they giving him the answers or are they just sort no, of like— are, Well, you, you, you feel free. You can talk to him. <laughs> Let, let's work—you know, like, okay, no. I mean, like the guy wants— you know, the guy, I mean, Malcolm Butler didn't get traded because, mm-hmm. you know, he never reached an agreement with anybody. He was a free agent. He was a restricted free agent. So he could have signed with somebody and then the Patriots had Would the have right to, to match, match yep. or, or let him go. And, you know, whereas Beckham now, he controls the deal. I mean, there's no, so when the player controls the deal, there's no discount deal. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I, this team wants me, that team wants me. And for me, I don't understand where Miami's coming from. And they're obviously, you know, have a plan, but, you're going to get a compensatory pick for him anyway, perhaps, unless you plan on spending a lot of money in free agency, which you really don't have much cap room, is why wouldn't you just take the compensatory pick and take and get the problem away from you? Like, why would you tie up that cap room for the beginning of free agency? Because say it takes 10 days, mm-hmm. then free agency is over with for you, you know, and, and it's over with. I, I don't know how smart this play is. I'll be interested to see how it all comes out. Absolutely. And we, we've we been talking about the Landry, you know, Miami potential trades they for at least even, this season. Look, look they, they complain about them. That, you know, now it's come out. I, I was talking to somebody on the phone today that admitted that, yeah, that everybody knows they were trying to trade them. I mean, I took a lot of crap <laughs> for it. You know, look, the, the, this is a headache. They should just get rid of the headache. You know, they, they see in value. I mean, I don't know. I like Landry when he has the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. But at 8-8 eight, eight and nine touchdowns, I mean, do you really want to pay for that? Do you really want to pay for that? I don't know. They they may need to take uh, take some of leave down in Miami and uh, and see if they can figure this headache out. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Look, the one thing we do know about free agency coming up is we know that the next seven days we're going to hear ridiculous numbers about who has what, and so fans understand this. The agents are putting those numbers out to get some guy at a team saying, "Hey, I heard they're they're really this team's really interested." 99.9% of the time, agents rarely have two teams bidding on a player. Okay? If the home team's bidding on a player and you're trying to get the player, there's probably you're not going to get them. Mm-hmm. The home team knows the guy. If the home team's not involved, the agents can't let you know that. They want to take that away because if you know they're not involved, then you know, then all of a sudden they're not there's not that leverage you can play. So, so if you see a headline that says Case, the Cardinals are willing to pay Case Keenum franchise QB money, yeah, 
then, then, then keep your eyes peeled for yeah, maybe exactly. an agent. Exactly. And that's what we're going to get for the next. But remember this, Tate Frazier, from the time the combine ends next Monday, a week from today, we have like another two weeks before free agency starts. So there's going to be all sorts of different, you know, backdoor conversations exactly. and leak reports and, and the usual that we see around this league. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to a couple combine stories and do word on the street. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I wanted to tell you about the revamped Ringer NBA show podcast. We are Monday through Friday on Mondays. John Gonzalez hosts Heat Check. Bounce around, talk to a bunch of different Ringer staffers about the weekend that was and what's coming up on Tuesdays. Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor, America's favorite couple. On Wednesdays, Sources Say with Chris Ryan and Julia Littman, and maybe some interview podcasts as well. And then Thursdays, Group Chat, Chris Ryan, a rotating cast of Ringer Staffers. We even put this on YouTube too. And then Friday, Draft Class, Kevin O'Connor, Jonathan Charks, sometimes Danny Chow, talking about the 2018 NBA Draft. Mock stuff, who's rising, who's falling, who's going to do what. You get this every day, all the way through the playoffs, the draft, and even free agency. Five days a week. The Ringer NBA Show. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. We're, we have the NFL Combine we mentioned uh, in Indianapolis this weekend. It'll be a, a fun time. A lot of conversations to be had. A lot of players to be watched. A lot of narratives that will be discussed. Um, but I wonder when TMZ is going to show up there. <laughs> I think they're already there, right? They got to be. I would think TMZ would send sport. I mean, you know. Why not? You would think so. I mean, you can go over to Moe's, the bar there, and just sit there. TMZ and can hire Kevin Clark and Robert Mays. They're going to be there. Maybe they're they going to be some, there. Yeah, some they extra do work. Some extra yeah. work. I mean, to me, it's going to be... You know, look, the combine has two things going on. It's it's a it's the only convention truly for the NFL, the mm-hmm. full NFL. All the doctors are there, all the the trainers are there, all the the coaches, the assistant coach, everybody's there. So there's this incredible amount of NFL people are there, and then it's in this small area, and there's all these stake, and everybody's going, and it's a lot of late nights and early mornings mm-hmm. because you know Tate Frazier, everybody has to get to the way in early. Yes. Okay. So you're you're a millennial, <laughs> and they have to get there early mm-hmm. because everybody has to sit in their seats. And when they call the name out, 6013, everybody writes it down. 205, everybody writes it down, right? And then 31 inch arms, everybody writes it down. uh, Nine and a half hand, everybody writes it down. Everybody does it, right? Get there, look at their bodies. And then after it's over, you get a sheet with all those numbers. It's because well, it's you have to trust your own notes, you know, maybe yeah, there was a mistake I mean, somewhere else. Unless it's in your handwriting, it doesn't mm-hmm. count. I mm-hmm. don't know. But I mean, if you want to go look at the guy's body and say good body, bad body, I mean, the weigh-ins, you can't get a ticket to the weigh-in. I mean, guys will get over to the weigh-in at five o'clock in the morning to get seats for the staff. I mean, they're like packed. It's the hardest ticket to get. I mean, Celine Dion in Vegas is an easier <laughs> ticket to get than this is, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to get that. And then- so that's an early morning gig. And then late night, you know, you're out there looking around late night. And that's where all the rumors start. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where everybody's out there and not, you know, out there hanging out. Everyone's got what they heard today about this guy. What they heard guy. today, what about that yeah. guy, you know. And then, you know, and then the next day. And then the workouts don't start till Friday. Mm-hmm. And then that's the whole other thing. And I, the one thing about the workouts, to me, I think the league always misses an opportunity to honor like the the legends of the game. Like this combine should be called the Al Davis combine. Like mm-hmm. the league should honor Al with the combine. He loved the combine more than any human being on the world. He loved it. Especially 40 times. He loved sitting there. Well, he would do Tate Frazier. He would sit right on the 40 line. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And so those kids, now they all knew who he was, whether you're a millennial, whether you're old, uh, you knew who Al Davis was. He had the glasses, he's got the white, and you could smell him, okay? Because the perfume you could smell, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So you could smell him sitting there and he's sitting there and sometimes he'd have Ron Wolf to one side, he'd have Parcells to the other, he'd have Gil Brand over there. <laughs> I mean, he'd have like his little army of guys, mm-hmm. but he would sit there with his notebook and he would look at the guy and he would want to make eye contact to let the guy know, look, I'm watching you. Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah, and then when he ran, and you know, we're drafting him. But I mean, nobody loved the combine more than he did. He mm-hmm. loved it, and he, all he wanted to do was sit there and watch the forties. He sat there, and then as soon as it was over, as soon as the so they run twice, right? Yep. And then the sheets come, and every team has a has a guy stationed on the forty yard line. Because you also get the unofficial time first, and then you get the official right. time. Okay, so everybody has a guy stationed up in the stands. Like mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin will be on the ten yard line, time and tens. He's done it since he's been uh, since I've been in the league. He'll time every ten. He'll write them down time at his own time. Mm-hmm. And so, and then somebody will time the twenties and some other time, but then eventually you'll get the combine times, the electric time and all that. And so, but Al would get John Otten or Jimmy Otten would bring down the times with, with a hot dog and just, <laughs> just 11 French fries. No, no French fries here. <laughs> just, just, just mustard down, Diet mm-hmm. Coke. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, that was just like the snack to get pulled him over. And then he would look at the times and he would look at his notebook and he would make his notes. And that's kind of what he would do. He loved it though. He never interviewed the players. Never went near the players. You know, people were scared to come over to to to. It's Raider like going Land. to the throne. Yeah, people were scared death to go over to Raiderland. Like nobody wanted to go over there. Like, but people would be on the edges to hear what's mm-hmm. going on in Raiderland. You know, it was it was pretty good. But the league should like like there's people like Paul Brown invented the forty, right? Like name the forty the the, the, the Brown. The, yeah, you know, like take it like. Put the history of the game into the, the Al Davis Combine. You know, Gil Brandt, one of the founding fathers of the Combine, when I first started in the league, we were at a Combine with Seattle. It was Seattle, Buffalo, the the 49ers, and Dallas. And we went mm-hmm. up to Seattle to do the Combine. This now, is when Brandt was with Dallas? This is when Gil was with Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, the first full Combine came. That's when Jerry Rice ran the 40 mm. on the grass at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the, I still have, I have every 40 time recorded since then. And so like that thing has changed dramatically. I mean, so Gill's played a huge part in this Combine, but I think the league misses an opportunity to honor that. You know, it's funny, you talk about Tom Savage. I have a Tom Savage story for you. So, so when- Pittsburgh the, great, Tom Savage. The, the Pittsburgh great, Tom Savage. So when I, when, when, you know, when you interview a guy, so at, at the train station, it's a complete cluster, mm-hmm. right? So every team has a room and you get 15 minutes to interview these kids, right? And every It's like a car wash, right? People it's just, like a yeah. car wash. So they blow a horn, you hear the horn, mm-hmm. and that means you start. And then with three minutes left, they blow the horn again to let you know you got three <laughs> minutes and then they blow the horn. Your guy has to leave the room in 15 minutes, right? And so- you know, everybody, it's just a commingling. Everybody's around. And so, and then every room has different people in it. Some head coaches are in there. Like in New England, Belichick always sat off to the side, you know, eating pistachios, kind of listening. And he would interject at times. Nick Cesario would run the meeting and then you sit in the back. So one time, Greg Ciano had just been fired at Tampa and he and I are sitting in the back of the room. I was with the Patriots at the time. And we bring in Tom Savage for the interview. This is the year we draft Jimmy Garoppolo. And mm-hmm. we bring in Tom Savage and Savage sees Ciano in the room. I thought he was going to shit his pants. I swear to God. I was like, hey, you know, because like. He's like, that's my whole coach from That's my whole coach from And he's thinking, like, what did he tell me? And what did I, what do I got to say? What have I been lying about this entire time? I got to recalibrate. I got to recalibrate this whole thing. It's like, I got to. He's like been blaming Rutgers the whole time in the system. And Shiano's just sitting right there. That's great. It's like unbelievable. (laughs) You know, because in the old days, we used to go. 
you used to be able to kidnap kids anytime mm-hmm. you wanted mm-hmm. and you could take them to your room. And like, I remember I had Lawrence Phillips wow. and Ray Lewis in the room together at the same time. Wow. Watching tape, watching. Was my, this like 1999? Or? No, this is like 87. This is in 87. This oh, is, wow. No, wait a minute. Hold on. No, take that back. This is 1996. Okay. The 96. We yeah. had, I was just going to get fired a week later in the, uh, from the, the Browns. I left the Browns and Belichick. Belichick and I had Ray Lewis and Lawrence Phillips in the room at the same time. And it was amazing. Ray Lewis was watching the tape. He was going over every single play, knew everything what he was doing. It was f- fascinating. Meanwhile, poor Lawrence Phillips, he didn't even know what the, what the play was called. <laughs> he was just there. Like, mm-hmm. you got any gear? You got like he was looking for the gear. God rest his soul. I feel bad for him. He was mm-hmm. a troubled. You could tell he was troubled then. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's how the combines changed so much. But it's it's a. But what goes on there is so much different than inside the dome. And then there's the there's the dome. There's the the train station, and then there's the Moe's, and there's the bars, and there's all that stuff. Is there any person, you talked about Ray Lewis watching tape, is there any sign that you have, like a telltale sign that someone comes in and they do something like what Ray Lewis did, where it just clicks in your head, where this guy went from somewhere on my draft board to now we just shot yeah, him up to the yeah, top? Yeah. Look, the reason we drafted Trey Flowers, mm-hmm. the kid at Arkansas, yep. the kid from the Patriots, is every t- every guy that came in the room, hey, who's the best player you played against? A Trey Flowers. <laughs> Who's the best player? Trey Flowers. Who's the best player? Trey Flowers. Like it was like unanimous. Like at some point we look at like we got to take this guy. Like, yeah, I mean that's what I would do too. I would love to ask. Mm-hmm. I used to have people would ask the players like, "Who's the best player you played against?" I would have someone call the players. And ask the players like just a random person would call. Like a well, random... pretend like you're from Sports Illustrated. Oh, okay. This gotcha. is back in the old days, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this guy would, and I, I could tell you the guy's name. He's dead too, but I don't want to. I don't want to get him. He would call and say, "Hey, I'm so and so from Sports Illustrated. You just played the Senior Bowl, <laughs> man. You looked really good. I'm, I'm writing a story about the Senior Bowl. This is before really the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And can you tell me about you know Tate Frazier from North Carolina? Oh yeah, he was good. And the guy would just take notes. And it was your, a kind of a different way of scouting, so it was kind of fascinating. And they obviously knew they weren't in a situation where they were being listened to as more more yeah, general yeah. open conversation. It was an open conversation, but it's a, but look, remember this: when you're in scouting, you're in the information business, so you got to find a way to get information, no matter how you do it. Like this whole notion that the kids are going to tell you the truth is a bunch of crap. Like when you go to a campus, don't go to the coaches. The coaches go. The coaches are going to tell you what they want to hear. You know, find out the local bar where the players hang out and go and sit in there at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, and then watch and last that bar. That bartender will know more than any assistant coach, I promise you. And I will say this about this combine this year. There's gonna be a lot of players when they ask the best player they went against, they're gonna say Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, take Frazier. Should we do word on the street? Yeah, before go we ahead, go? let's do it. We'll do a quick word on the street. Uh, just a couple stories coming out. Panthers, they decided to cut uh veterans Charles Johnson and uh, Kurt Coleman. Charles Johnson, obviously a big name, second in the franchise history and sacks behind Julius Peppers. Uh, it's yeah. a big loss for them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, they didn't activate him for the last game of the mm-hmm. year. He got the suspension. I, I think it's kind of at the end of his rope. I mean, they Marty Herney stayed on as the GM. So, you know, Kirk Coleman's a guy that knows how to get lined up. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Buffalo has two good safeties. So I don't see, think I'm going to Buffalo, but he's a system kind of product guy. And we should say uh, that also clears up some cap space. A lot of people think the Panthers will try to make a splash in free agency if they can. They, they will. Not a lot of cap space. Not a lot of cap space, but they'll, they'll spend money. I mean, look, they're going to be sold fairly soon here now. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the interesting thing is because how much money are they going to be willing to commit when you know they're going to be sold and I mean the guy that guy from Pittsburgh whoever he is the the hedge fund guy we mm-hmm. want to be hedge fund guys too <laughs> you know I mean once he sells once he buys the team then you know then I, the things could change a little bit yep and then uh, last one last story that we have today we're going to wrap this thing full circle tie a bow on it Charles Tillman uh, former great Chicago Bears player. Uh, you know, people remember in 2007, he signed that huge six-year deal for 40 point, uh, I think it was like $40 million, something like that. Uh, 
he's now going to be an FBI agent. He Love has a two-year probationary period for him to be fully enrolled in the FBI. But watch out. Charles Tillman is going to come after all these NCAA coaches at some and I, point. I'll bet you he'll knock guns out of people's hands. He can strip sack somebody. <laughs> we know he can tackle somebody and knock something out of their uh, hands. I think so. it's awesome. I think he's one of the great people of all time. He was on TV, gave up a TV career to, to chase his dreams. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. I wish him a bunch of, I wish him nothing but success. He's a really good human being. Absolutely. And uh, Charles Tillman, he, he took that Panthers team in 2015 to Super Bowl 50. He was on that squad. That was the last time I think he was in the prime time. Tillman in the was in the same draft as Namdi Asamoah. Yes. The actor. The Namdi actor. Asimov, and a, actor and a, husband of Kerry Washington. I, I saw Kerry on the lot the other day. There you go. See? But Namdi was nowhere to be found. Is he in Scandal too or no? I don't know. I, I, she needs to get him a role, right? I think so. That's what a good spouse should do. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Hook him up. Yeah. Uh, this has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Dave Razor. <laughs>